my home is all the Jordan. I want to cross over into campground. Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. I want to cross over into campground. Oh, don't you want to go to that gospel We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. We all come from tiny apartments and expansive homes. We are from this city and from others far away. We are from big families and dinners made for one. We are from stages of grief and stages of love. We are from hot summers and cold winters. We are from kitchens with passed down recipes and front porches with old familiar swings. We are from the dust of the earth and the stars of the sky. We are from a lot of places, but today we are here. Today we are together. Holy God, gather us in. Ancestral stories who 
podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. More love, more love, the heavens are blessing, the angels are calling, Hosanna, more love. More love, more love, the heavens are blessing, the angels are calling, Hosanna, more love. Now turn. Our first reading will be from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 4b through 15. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. The word of the Lord. Hosanna, more love. One more time to get it into us. Turn clockwise. Here we go. You, you move when I sing. Here we go. If ye love not each other in daily communion, how can ye love God whom ye have not seen? Pause. Now, love not each other in daily communion. How can ye love God whom ye have not seen? Turn and face one more time. Here we go. More love, more love. The heavens are blessing. The angels are calling. Hosanna, more love. Our second reading is from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 35 to 51. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? 
And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, and also of Nazareth, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe me because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The word of the Lord. I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn and we are led to those who help us most to grow if we let them and we help them in return well i don't know if i believe that's true but i know i'm who i am today because i knew you like a comet pulled from orbit as it passes a sun like a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the wood who can say if i've been changed for the better but because i knew you i have been changed for good it well may be that we will never meet again in this lifetime so let me say before we part so much of me is made of what i learned from you you'll be with me like a handprint on my heart and now whatever way our stories end 
I know you have rewritten mine by being my friend. Like a ship blown from its mooring on the wind off the sea. Like a sea dropped by a skybird in a distant wood. Who can say if I've been changed for the better? But because I knew you, because I knew you, I have been changed for good. And just to clear the air, I ask forgiveness for the things I've done you blame me for. But then I guess we know there's blame to share, and none of it seems to matter anymore. Like a comet pulled from orbit as it passes the sun, like a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the wood. Who can say if I've been changed for the better? I do believe I have been changed for the better and because I knew you because I knew you I have been changed for Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was a child, I remember seeing a recurring sign by the side of the highway. It read, one Kansas farmer feeds 78 people and you, or 89 or, eight, or 101, the number changed slightly each year. It was a project of a woman named Jean Mertz, and she and her husband and her family lived in, uh, on a farm outside of Manhattan, Kansas. And her hope was to affirm the work of all who labored on the land. Well, my family didn't live on a farm, but the sign made me feel proud of where I came from, of being a Kansan. The signs said that we were making a contribution to others, feeding people. And I loved looking for these signs and watching the numbers change each year. So think back with me for a minute to the time when you were a child. Maybe that was not so long ago. Maybe it was quite some time ago. What recurring images or signs do you remember seeing as you sat? Most likely, if, if, you're, if you're a younger person that was in the back seat, driving the roads of your home geography and looking out the window. Or maybe it was a sign that you saw as you were walking the roads of your town. If you're worshiping online, I encourage you to share this description or word in the chat. The chances are 
that what has stuck with you was indicative of of you in some way, of where you are from. Perhaps that's a, a generational place, or maybe it's a defining period in history, or maybe it's about a people and relationships, something that connected you to a particular value or a particular place, something that spoke of your identity in some way. Does a sign or image give insight to to you and to others of where you're from. If you're here in person, I I hope you'll take this image that came to you into the conversations after the worship service on the landing and on the lawn as we enjoy wonderful music once again from Catherine Bruno and Emily Bergman. But of course, these signs don't tell the whole story With the exception of my uh, first three years in ministry, a three-year appointment in Lawrence, Kansas, I haven't lived in Kansas since I was 17. If you globalized assumptions about me based on what you think you know about Kansas and the Midwest, you likely would have a pretty limited picture. And the signs that may have come to mind for you just now don't tell your whole story either. In our gospel scripture today from the book of John, the scene opens with John the Baptist and two disciples seeing Jesus pass by. Just like the signs that passed us on the side of the road as we drove by, Jesus is passing by this trio as a sign that speaks and calls to them about who and whose they are. To John, Jesus is a sign of God's presence among us and the fulfillment of God's promises. When John sees Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. John and Jesus have a relationship that predates the relationship that Jesus has with these disciples. The disciples are still learning who Jesus is, and as he passes them, they begin to follow him. And presently, Jesus turns to the men who are following him and says, What do you want? And they answer him, Rabbi, where are you staying? It's interesting to me that the disciples don't really answer Jesus' question of what do you want, and instead turn the question back to him. Their answer, where are you staying, indicates to Jesus that it's to know him better that they want, but they are careful, indirectly giving him the courtesy to go deeper if he wants to or not. And Jesus says to them, come and see. In calling Jesus rabbi, these disciples are defining Jesus as a teacher and an interpreter of scripture. Well, he certainly was that. But in his answer, come and see, Jesus does invite them into deeper understanding. The word translated in our Bibles as see actually has connotations not of literal sight, but of knowing and understanding and perceiving. So what is really happening here is that Jesus is inviting them into deeper relationship with him and who he is. He hears their deeper desire accepts it, and responds to it. 
As we, as a community, enter into our month-long worship series of I've Been Meaning to Ask, and our season, which runs from next week through November, uh, of holy conversations on racial justice and the beloved community, we can find guidance throughout this passage for this journey that we are embarking on. First, we see that there is a necessary and respectful curiosity about the other. To be curious is to accept that we don't know everything. There's more to learn. There's more that will be revealed. One term for this is epistemological humility, which means simply to acknowledge that we don't know what we don't know, and we don't know everything. Curiosity is to embrace a desire to discover. And as these disciples follow Jesus, we see they are curious. They're engaged. Significantly, though, the disciples indicate that they would like to know Jesus better uh, in their initial response to Jesus' what do you want but he, uh, he, he, get, he is given an out in the way that they frame it uh, to, to say whether he wants to engage or whether he doesn't want to engage. In the exchange that ensues, there's an acknowledgement. You can hear it on both sides of a desire for deeper understanding. So there is a mutual desire to go deeper here. That's important. Maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus wasn't in the mood, but he gave them the clear indication that it was okay to go deeper. The disciples' curiosity is respectful and unintrusive, but it stands ready, looking for opportunities to see and perceive the other more fully if that is welcomed. Just as any label we attach to a person today comes with it assumptions and connotations, like when we learn maybe just one thing about where a person is from, but not the whole picture. The term rabbi meant specific things at that time. But in saying, come and see, Jesus is inviting these disciples to learn, but also to unlearn their assumptions, to unlearn their assumptions. So the third ingredient we see here is to be ready to engage, but respectfully unintrusive, while at the same time being willing to invite others in and unlearn our assumptions. How often do we say in an email or conversation something to the effect of, I hope you're well, I've noticed that I do this, and while it's a true, it's a true state from, statement for me, I do hope that others are well. I, I've realized in, in preparation particularly for, for this series that that statement is not exactly an invitation to tell me if you're well or not. So in this series and in this season, I want to invite all of us to interrogate our shorthand ways of communicating to see if they express curiosity and invitation and an epistemological humility. I've realized that to ask, are you well, is quite different than saying, 
I hope you're well. And this leads to the fourth key in this passage. To know and understand others takes time. When these two disciples joined Jesus where he is staying, the scripture says they came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. They remained with him that day. Jesus answered their surface question by showing him where he was staying, but the group had not fully lived into his invitation to come and see, come and perceive, come and understand. To perceive and understand takes time. And finally, in our journey of building the beloved community, we are enjoined to make the circle wider by communicating to others that we do see them. You hear in the scripture, one of the disciples who followed and sat with Jesus on that day was Andrew, the brother of Simon. Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, son of John, you are to be called Cephas, which meant Peter and the rock. In Simon Peter, Jesus saw strength and commitment. I don't believe that anyone, even, even Jesus, um, at that time knew how Peter's story was going to unfold. But in naming him, Jesus reflected to Peter that he saw him. He saw who he was and in that act included him in his now and in his future. And then Philip was invited to the circle, who in turn invited Nathaniel, and Jesus affirmed to Nathaniel that he saw him as well, and the circle grew. We have a second scripture today from Genesis, and it begins in this way. The Lord God made the earth and the heavens, but no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground, no Kansas farmer available to work that ground. And then it goes on to give us the story of the creation of humanity. Then the Lord God formed humanity from the dust of the ground and breathed into the nostrils of humanity the breath of life. And the human person, Adam, became a living being. We are all formed from the same matter, and we are all enlivened by the same divine breath. We are of one substance and one essence. As we move into this new series and ask, where are you from? We need to remember that we also do this work from an ontological grounding that holds all of us. In a theological sense, our answer to the question, where are you from, is the same. We are one. We come from God. And this is the key to building the beloved community, affirming that we are both unique persons with different paths and individual histories, and we are one. This is a dialectic not a dualism, it is a both and. And it is when we live in the truth of these interplaying dimensions of our beings and of each other that we find the blessing of being known. And being known is the foundation of intimacy. 
The civil rights activist Ruby Sales has said one of the greatest trigger fingers of empire is to destroy intimacy. When we build the beloved community in its honesty and vulnerability, but also its security and contented, contentedness, we are responding to God rather than empire. Of course, empire would not want us to have the capacity or experience of intimacy through beloved community. Empire wants us to feel insecure and inadequate and impoverished so that we'll keep seeking security and contentedness through conquering and acquiring. And so beginning with where are you from becomes a revolutionary act. I've been meaning to ask, where are you from? I'm from Kansas. I'm from God. I'm from a people of faith called Epworth who are seeking true, right relationship with each other and with God and with the world. May God bless us and carry us all in all that we seek and in all that we hope. May we be drawn into an intimacy that holds, affirms, and sustains us. And may we draw others into this circle and into this beloved community. May it be so. Amen. at the table for everyone born clean water and bread a shelter a space a safe place for growing for everyone born a star overhead and God was a light when we Creators of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy. For woman and man, a place at the table. Revising the rules, deciding the share With wisdom and grace, dividing the power For woman and man, a system that's fair And God would delight when we are creators of justice and joy Compassion and peace, yes God delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy. For gay and for straight, a place at the table, a covenant shared, a welcoming space, a rainbow of race and gender for gay and for straight, a chalice of grace. And God will delight when we are creators of justice.
podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Well, mine is the church where everybody's welcome. I know it's true because I got through the door. We are dazzling bouquet of every kind of flower. Jump in the vase because we got space for more. Come here, all you six-foot gladiolas. Come all ye purple lilacs, shining bright. Come let us all bloom together in one garden. A carnival of fragrance and delight. And we don't simply tolerate each other we ask and tell we don't just turn away we give attention to every bud and blossom let every face come grace the grand bouquet our diamonds keep trying our, sorry, I saw demons. Our demons keep trying to divide us. They document their lies to make them true. 
Today we're freed from our judging and excluding Just look around, enjoy the lovely view Now mine is the church where everybody's welcome I know it's true, cause I got through the door Now we are there of every kind of flower Jump in the vase Cause we got space for more Now jump in the vase Cause we got space for more Amen, amen